totally floored by just the conversation and set in time for new new couples or even if they're established couples where they haven't talked about money, just having them sit down to talk about these things really changes and, and gets them excited about where they're going and they start to get more confidence. This is the Financial Side of Life podcast, episode 28. Welcome to the Financial Side of Life podcast. Our mission, to empower you with smart financial strategies and show that it's possible to get a college education, save, invest, retire, or do whatever makes sense to help you live your best life. We'll meet amazing people and professionals who will share stories about how they do it, and together we hope to bring a little sanity to your complex financial life. And now, here is your host, Certified Financial Planner Pro and founder of Avea Financial Planning, Angie Forbotten-LaRossi. Hey everybody, Angie Forbotten-LaRossi here, and I want to welcome you to the Financial Side of Life podcast. Uh, today, I'm joined by Lucas Caceres. He's a Certified Financial Planner Pro, like me, and founder of Level Up Financial Planning, which is located in Fort Collins, Colorado. So I'd like to um, thank Lucas for joining me on my program today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Angie. I'm excited. Uh, so Lucas and I are both members of the XY Planning Network, which is a network of fee-only fiduciary advisors throughout the country. And we serve clients of all different types, but we also emphasize working with younger clients, uh, specifically Gen X, my generation, <laughs> and Gen Y, uh, your generation. So. Yep. Uh, again, welcome today. And I'm excited to learn more about you because I really don't know all that much about you. So I'm looking forward to our talk. Yeah, I think we actually both launched about the same time. So the end of 2017-ish, I think. Yeah. Um, I remember we were both kind of asking questions, getting the lay of the land uh, for serving this new community that really we're, we're restricted to being able to serve uh, prior to starting our own companies. Right. That's right. Yeah. I, I officially got registered late 2017, but I call, I kind of took, you know, the holidays and things like that. <laughs> yep. Just kind of didn't do a whole lot. Worked on my website, things like that. But uh, I call January 2018 my, you know, beginning time. So just in over a year now and you are basically as well. So yeah. Yep. November, 2017. So yeah, we, we got registered the same time and um, I, I needed to start getting clients right away because I was starting out from scratch. So I definitely worked through the holidays and ended up being beneficial. <laughs> yeah, good. Good for you. So that's kind of where I wanted to start anyway, was to uh, learn a little more about you, your background and your business. Can you tell us um, how your personal financial life led to your decision to become a financial planner? Sure. So my history goes way back to when I graduated high school. I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do college-wise, but I knew I, I had to do something. So I was working uh, full-time at a community bank back in Illinois, where I'm originally from, and just really started getting interested in the financial aspects of things. And I was uh, attending a community college at the same time, not sure what I, <laughs> I wanted to do. And so after a few years of doing that and getting a couple of promotions, I, I was stuck and I started finding out a lot more aspects of the benefits that the employer had, they had a 401k benefit, they had an employer stock purchase plan. And so I really dove into that and got really interested. It also happened to be right around the same time of the, the recession. And so a lot of people were freaking out because banks were closing. And so people were coming in asking like questions and, and they're just choking around like, oh, 
like my money's still going to be here tomorrow, right? And I was 19, 20 at the time. So I was like, ah, like why, why are you that concerned about it? So really dove into the education of the financial services industry at the banking level, what was going on in the economy, and really just dove into that stuff and got a good understanding of it and was able to make different investment choices and, and do things that actually allowed me to move out to Colorado to uh, go to Colorado State University where they had a financial planning program. So that definitely was the initial fire under my or in my belly to really want to pursue financial planning and help people uh, because at that same time when I was asking my coworkers who were in their 40s and 50s like, hey, this, there's this real cool stuff with the 401k you can do and the employer stock purchase plan. They're like, ah, we have no clue what you're talking about. Like, we just do whatever and we don't mess with things. We don't really understand how it all works. And, and again, that's really how I was like, oh, financial planning exists for a career. And then CSU, Colorado State University has a financial planning program. And I saw that becoming a certified financial planner pro, I like how you put that. I don't use pro. Um, but maybe I'll have to <laughs> start using it now. Um, I, I saw that there's a wide range of different financial advisor types that could be out there. And really that certified financial planner pro is really going to be the golden standard, uh, especially if it's someone just starting out and you're going to be a little bit younger. You don't want to go into a sales atmosphere with no experience and just have to sell people on things that you're not comfortable with. So I, I did enough research early on to know that I wanted to take that certified financial planner route. And while I was doing that at Colorado State University, still working full-time, I, I worked full-time and took forever to finish school because it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do. And once I lived in Colorado State, I saw how ridiculous out-of-state tuition was. So I had to live here a year to get in-state residency. Mm -hmm. And so I was working at a local credit union that uh, is called First Tech Federal Credit Union. And so I was working on site, helping a lot of tech employees and seeing a lot of interesting things there too, as far as how people that make a lot of money sometimes don't make the best decisions. I was unfortunately on the wrong end of kind of declining certain uh, people that were applying for basic car loans, like nothing too uh, extreme, even though they had like 150, maybe $250,000 of income, they just have managed their money so horribly that they were going to decline for pretty modest loans and credit cards at that point. So that's really where I started to get another kind of wrinkle and aspect for just having money and making a lot of money doesn't equate to financial success by any means. And, right. and now over the years of serving the, the tech employees, I've noticed that it actually could be more of a detriment. The more money you make, the more it allows you to have some really bad habits. Really? So yeah. tell me more about that. Uh, I do listen to other advisors who have clients in this area, and uh, I'd just be curious to know what what kinds of things come up like that. What are you talking about? Sure. So it becomes really easy to become like house poor or kind of trap yourself in a, a job situation that you really don't enjoy, but they're paying you $200,000 a year. Maybe there's some uh, stock options, which are unique because you don't get them all at once. They, they're called golden handcuffs when they give you those things mm -hmm. because you get a little chunk of them every single year and then you get a little bit more and keep getting these grants and it makes it really hard to walk away from that income because you've started created a lifestyle behind that. So all of those pay increases that they receive, they're like, oh, well, I'm going to get another pay increase next year most likely so I can make this 
very aggressive purchase decision now where I can buy this house that's a lot bigger than what we need right now because I'm going to keep getting these raises and that's that's not always the case and mm -hmm. even if it is it might not be what you expect and things timing wise might not end up working out well who knows when the next recession is going to hit if you don't have a good core plan like emergency plan situated it could wreak a lot of havoc if you're used to spending $150,000, $250,000 a year, having that income and then going to nothing and having very little in a savings account. So that, that's really where I've seen it become really extreme, but it happens a lot. Almost like a professional athlete in a way where they have a yeah. very short-term career, but very intense and very uh, high pay. You know, uh, I, I think people in the tech industry aren't quite you know, that short a term, but it really dependent upon the economy doing well, keeping those high paying jobs. Even if the economy is doing well, I'm seeing it on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on there. I see a lot of people were, oh, mass layoffs, like hundreds of people just laid off. And you think to yourself, the economy is doing really well. Where, why are all right. these layoffs occurring? So in tech, there's a lot of growth expansion in certain areas and then uh, mergers, acquisitions, all these things cause those jobs to dry up or be either shipped off to somewhere else or redundant because they merge with another company and they're going to be able to do it with those employees. So just because the economy is doing good doesn't mean your position secure. There could be months where uh, you go unemployed and financial stress is bad enough even while you have income coming in if you're not doing the right things, but right. you throw on some gasoline to the fire that, well, there's no income and you're still making those bad decisions and you have to deal with all those bad decisions you made in the past. So like I mentioned, you focus more on Gen Y, which is, I don't know what the age range is exactly, but it's 30s, 20s and 30s for you primarily. Yep. So that when you are working with your younger clients, I think that a lot of times people, just traditionally in our industry, uh, people think of advisors not working with younger clients. They tend to think of either not even X, uh, X generation, generation X, I would say. It's more like boomer to already retired age yep. group or people who have a lot of money saved already, right? Which yep. may or may not be the case depending on whatever age you are. But I think especially within our XY planning network, you know, the focus is on working with clients who have um, who, who may or may not have assets saved, but they are definitely on the younger side. With your approach to working with younger people, what are some of the benefits that you are seeing to them with working with an advisor? I think the biggest thing, and I was a little shocked by this because as, as you know, we've only been going at our businesses with this new kind of approach and access for these younger generations and what we were able to previously, but 18 months in, I'm totally floored by just the conversation and set in time for new new couples or even if they're established couples where they haven't talked about money, just having them sit down to talk about these things really changes and, and gets them excited about where they're going and they start to get more confidence. My kind of tagline for my business is to take your financial confidence to the next level and that that's pretty huge from just providing the education uh, providing the accountability and then making sure that we're setting time aside to actually talk about their finances, what's important to them. It makes a ridiculous difference. And I see it happening. It, it almost kind of looks like it sounds corny, but it kind of looks like magical. Like when you see people all of a sudden start to get it like, oh, this is the first time they're actually talking about money or this is the first time they're hearing that this is important to the other 
uh, person. And it's cool to see that relationship get stronger from that aspect. And then the excitement start to go where they do feel more confident that they can control their financial decisions. And they tell me, you really understand us and uh, really care about us making progress. So a few of my clients actually had worked with advisors who uh, would serve younger people, but what they were were sales-based people um, selling commission-based products. And really my clients were, were, when they were their clients as well, were low on the tone of pole. They didn't get any service. No one was actually trying to help them make progress. If they're going to put money there, sure, they'll, they'll collect their fee. The advisor will collect their fee, but the advisor is not going to proactively try to help them understand what's going on, build that confidence and build wealth over time that is going to give them the flexibility to pursue different opportunities that come up that they haven't even dreamt of yet. Right. Uh, do you work a lot with uh, couples? Yeah. So I'd say a majority of my clients are couples. There's a few single individuals. And so that changes things a, a little bit as far as the value. But um, again, I was just super shocked when it comes to those couples and the integrating the finances, like two of my clients are getting married this summer. So it's pretty cool uh, to have those conversations the, the previous clients I was working with were in their fifties and sixties. And for the most part, they, they were set in their ways. They weren't trying to integrate stuff. They weren't trying to learn or make progress. They just wanted to better manage their 500,000 or a million dollars, whatever it was, and be tax efficient and, and things like that. So that's fun up until a point, but I'm having a blast being able to really help people see the reality of the situation where they stand today and have that confidence that they're going to be able to do what they need to to achieve their goals. And it's really up to them, um, especially with a lot of the tech employees, like the income should never be an issue at this point. They're nowhere near poverty. It's just more about making efficient, informed decisions that are going to actually help move the needle for them achieving their goals. Yeah, I uh, just recently had a meeting with clients who they informed me that they would have a report, the husband, it was actually the husband who would do a financial report. And then on a monthly basis, they would meet and talk about this financial report. And one of the reasons that they wanted to come and talk to an advisor like me was that he was worried that if something happened to him, you know, what would happen to her? Because he was kind of the driver of a lot of the uh, decisions. I, I think they collaborated for sure. He wasn't making decisions without her, but yep. still he was definitely the one in charge. And if something was to happen to him, he, he was older, uh, you know, he's less healthy than she. And so it's interesting to see that kind of dynamic because you don't, I mean, you really don't have people all the time who are communicating well, especially in a married situation and on board with all the decisions that they're making with their finances. Yeah, and so it's not free to work with us, right? So when, when these young people come to me, like they really want to get on the same page. Like that's one of the big motivational factors. It's cool, even though they're adults, you know a lot of major life decisions are happening in that 20s and 30s timeframe. They're just now figuring out what's important to them, what their goals are. Mm -hmm. And it's cool to see those things kind of shift because there's things that I know are important or are going to be important to them in the future. And if I bring them up, they're like, oh yeah, it's like not even on their radar. They could care less. And then a few months later, you can see that some of their friends started hitting different milestones or started doing different stuff. Maybe it's just the responsibility from approaching marriage where all of a sudden you start to see these different things clicking them like, oh, yep, I'm going to be a little bit more responsible. So now a conversation we had where they're like, oh yeah, like I could care less about life insurance or estate planning. They're like, oh yeah, remember how you talked about that? We're, we're actually really excited to get into this now. So it's cool to see uh, that rapid growth in short 
time periods too by serving the, the younger uh, generations in their 20s and 30s. And um, I'd say 20s and 30s, and I'm sure you see it as well, Angie, that people hit different milestones, they hit different responsibility levels at different times. So it really does get hard to start pegging anyone or, or even trying to. Like, it doesn't make sense for me to say, you should be here because of this age or whatnot, because that's not how it happens. Once you get out of college, you're really, you're flying on your own. And even myself, it took me nine years to graduate college. So it's not like I was on a traditional uh, trajectory at that point. Yeah, just allowing people to help them where they're at, and then just be that resource so that even though they don't know what's going on, they <laughs> have that confidence and uh, a trusted resource like us to be able to talk about those things that are newly developed and uncharted territory for them. Right. Walk me through like what's a what's a conversation look like when you're dealing perhaps probably with a married couple? Uh, do you use some tools or how do you kind of get them to start that conversation to have that dialogue? Yeah, so I'm a little different. I don't get any information from them, so I don't I don't know if they're uh, qualified. I don't even know if they're in tech sometimes when they reach out to me. So I just have a free link for them to schedule on my site and. Uh, they schedule time. I tell them, don't worry about preparing anything. Just come uh, with yourself. And then we just start to have a conversation. I do use like a mind map tool, mm -hmm. which is really helpful as far as capturing the, the visual components. So then seeing too that their financial decisions actually impacts all of their life or we have to kind of pick up every single rock and, and do those things, which is sometimes why it's helpful not to just do a deep dive or give me all of your data uh, so I can look at that and start to have those preconceived notions because I really do want them and their story to kind of drive what that conversation's going to look like. And then there's set questions that I'll ask them, like, if if you were to pass away in the, the next year or so, like, how would you feel about that? Or if you went to the doctor and he told you you're going to pass away in the next five years, what's what's going through your mind? Like, how how are we going to handle these next five years if that was a reality? And kind of give them a second to get in that headspace and give them time to think. But the, the response is sometimes, again, is something that they've never really thought of, especially yeah. some of my clients are really young, like 22, 23, 24. And they're like, whoa, like, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and again, like I do start to see it's only been about 18 months, but some of my early clients, you start to see like, oh, yeah, they are starting to think that, well, they're not recovering from their injuries as well, or they're gaining weight a little bit more than what they used to when they're in college and stuff. So they just start to become more aware that they had to work at a lot more stuff. They're getting a lot busier. And so you have to be more conscientious, self-aware of, of what's going on in every aspect of your life. And it makes a lot of sense to start relying on experts, people that are, have seen these situations more than they have in their first time dealing with it so they can avoid making those big mistakes. That's a really interesting comment too. I, I just recently also had a conversation with um, clients who are uh, retired. So they're already at that stage in life yeah. and are, are well off. They've done well in saving and pensions and all of that. But now pensions they have health. health. Yeah, four <laughs> pensions. You know, they have yeah. a lot of pensions and social security. So, but the problem that I discovered is that now health is uh, limiting their ability to do the things that they always thought they were going to do in retirement. Yeah. And I hear this all the time that, you know, people, I'm just going to work until I die. I'm going to work until I die. And it's like, well, yeah, you might unless you're sick or unless you physically can't because your body's not cooperating with your brain, you know, with your plans. It's just a perspective that as a young person, you have no concept of. And now I'm middle-aged, right? So I have some concept of 
those kinds of impacts to my life because my eyesight has changed and I have the weight issues and things like that. I don't have the health issues to the degree that I can't do things, but I can't tell what's ahead. You know, I don't know what's around the corner. Dealing with different kinds of clients or different kinds of people at different stages in their lives can both inform you, you know, to help your clients see that they're that their life right now uh, may change over time. And yes, you are in your 20s or 30s right now, but there is another day ahead that is important as well as what you're dealing with today. It's so hard to predict the future. And so I went home and I had a conversation with my teenage boys to just kind of express to them that, you know, be very, be very grateful for the fact that you are where you are right now. You're healthy, you're young, you've got your whole life ahead of you to some degree. Be intentional. Find out what is important to you. Don't just waste every every Saturday morning sleeping in. You know, I know it's hard to to say that now, but you know, to be thoughtful. And I, you know, I would pass that on to you to pass on to your clients as well because it was very impactful. My conversation with these folks, I felt very, I felt very sad for them that they had all this wealth that was really limited in what they could do because of their health issues. And that's just something that young people don't really have that perspective of unless they've gone through it with somebody else. So, Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times those people don't even reach out unless they have those situations. Like they saw their, their parents didn't manage money well or yeah. Um, yeah, health issues. Someone passed away prematurely. And so they're really freaked out. And that's why they want to engage with uh, talking and, and starting to plan because yeah, they, they start to see only what's in their circle of view and we do have that unique benefit. And I, I loved working with all the clients that I worked at the previous firm. I just felt like I added a lot more value to my clients now, but I wouldn't be able to provide half the value if I never served those more traditional 56 year olds, because yeah, I got a lot of insight from those stories and it's very informative. I felt like I had an old soul uh, even before, but just having those conversations all the time <laughs> with, with the people, it definitely provides a lot more perspective than when I first started uh, working with people more on that financial planning basis and out of the, the banking industry, I was 26, 27, so still pretty young, but then, yeah, dealing with a lot of those serious conversations and, yeah, like you can't control stuff and especially thinking that you can work until you die. And this may just be from my experience from uh, the tech side of things. I've seen a lot of kind of age pre- uh, prejudice yeah. um, and a lot of the times when there are those mass layoffs, those older individuals are the ones making the most money. And so hopefully they've done what they needed to because once they lose a job, it's very hard for them sometimes to find it unless they're very well connected. Um, The economy is doing really well and someone's looking for that experience aspect and not uh, just a cheaper, uh, younger person to train and show them the way. And so it's, it's, it stinks, but I have seen ageism yeah. greatly impact people's expectations for what uh, retirement was going to look like. And this wasn't people that thought working until they die, it's uh, work until 62 or work until 65. Some of those more normal expected retirement ages, yeah. you get like, oh, when you're 57 and 60, it's just a little bit tougher. So it's, you're not always in control of what's going on with your employment situation too. So again, that's something that is helpful in those conversations. And I do remind people because I do get a lot of young people that say, Hey, you know what? I just want to do everything I can to enjoy today and do the bare minimum make sure I'm at least aware of what could happen. And I just had to set them straight a little bit, just letting them know that 
they're, they may not have that long of a, a time frame work until you're 70. Who knows what, the, especially with like robots and, and stuff like that, what types of jobs are going to be out and what skills are going to be needed 20, 30 years from now. All right. So you, you weave that into some of the planning uh, that you do for people, the career, the career aspect and income um, and planning for the day that you may not have that job. I mean, those are tough conversations to have with people, especially if they're pretty happy living life to the fullest right now and spending every dollar and thinking, yeah. eh, I'm going to, I'm going to work until I die. I don't need to save money now. I'll just keep working until I die. Yeah. Those are tough conversations to have. I would imagine. Yeah. One it's, it's nice again, because some people are really self-selected. There's, there's a lot of people I'm sure I could help that have that mindset, but a lot of those people don't even initiate a conversation with me because they don't want to change. And so um, the, the ones it, it, it's helpful because we have a lot of those other conversations earlier on. I'm not going to put the fear of being like, Oh, when you're in your fifties and sixties in someone's mind, if, if they're like already gung ho, like they're going to start doing the right things right now and they're going to be more or less on that right path. It's the people that do verbally and, and maybe they're just joking around and say, yeah, I'm, I'll just work till I die so that I can do as much as possible right now and live life as much as possible. And there's, there's just a, a balancing act that everyone has to do basically, especially if you know that you're more on that spend thrift side <laughs> to just kind of keep yourself in check. So is retirement a top of mind issue for people that you work with being, being that they're younger and not really that close to retirement? It's a part of that conversation. Essentially, we just want to make sure that they're going to be doing what they need to ballpark. A lot of times we are focusing on more short-term goals, like I'm, I'm getting married this summer and it was a year ago. And so uh, putting stuff on credit card isn't really a, a good option, even if you can finagle a 0% for a few months. It's just not a good way to to plan for anything, especially if we have time on your side to start planning. So a lot of those conversations are more short-term goal focused, but then having the eye on, well, let's make sure we're getting the most out of your 401k, doing maybe not the most optimum amount there, but doing enough to feel good about it while achieving all these shorter term goals so that you don't get married and then you're in your early 30s and still have nothing for retirement and you missed out on free money from an employer 401k match or some free money that you could have gotten from employer stock purchase plan, things like that. So uh, retirement is kind of um, a secondary future, mm -hmm. I think, and something to, to keep our eye on, but it's not that focal point usually when we're talking. Okay. I wanted to talk a little more specifically about your work with uh, people in the tech industry. So is that a pretty significant part of the folks that you work with? They are associated with tech, tech jobs? Yeah, I would say 70% at this point, and it seems to be like just based off of the content I produce, so I make videos. I mentioned you, I just launched my own podcast uh, today. Actually, is when I first hit the, the publish okay. button for kind of and people in the tech space. And um, Tell us the name. It's Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp. Okay, and, and so, where, where can they find it once it's live? So, but you should be able to find it most anywhere that you listen to a podcast or wherever your preference is, and then... Um, you can also visit my website. There'll be a link up there as well, uh, www.levelupfinancialplanning.com. You'll be able to find it wherever you listen to it, basically. I, I do blog posts that I call strategy guides. I create infographs that I call cheat sheets. So trying to, to make it fun is really the whole point of the Level Up Financial Planning. I could have named it something a little bit more traditional, but 
if I'm going to do something on my own and, and have the ability to create my own unique situation, I'm going to try to have as much fun with it so that hopefully my clients can uh, find it a little bit more engaging, um, find the financial education process a little bit more fun and, and bearable than what most people that don't enjoy finances or love finances like I do <laughs> for right. that matter. So I, I think there's some, uh, expectation that what we do is kind of on, on the boring, you know, not very fun side. So I think you're doing a good thing, trying to make it fun and engaging because it can be a little on the, I don't know, serious or dry side, especially if you're numbers focused. But if you're, you know, talking more about dreams and goals and helping people get to the, doing the things that they're important to them, uh, I think that's pretty exciting myself. Yeah, it's it's fun. And, and I have some other clients too that are in their 50s and 60s and they have fun stuff going on too. So there's, there's it's financial planning should not be so serious. <laughs> it, there definitely should be opportunities to enjoy and celebrate. And one of the things that I know that just happens too often is you reach your goal and then it's like, all right, well, what's the next goal? What's the next thing? And so I really want to be intentional about kind of celebrating everything up into the point like, oh, we're making all this progress. And then even after the fact, just kind of, um, I created these achievements, which are, it's kind of game related. So uh, I don't know if your children play video games, but like sometimes you'll get these achievements with points. So I did something like that for my clients too. It's a way to kind of immortalize the success that they made. And it's always going to be somewhere in our meeting space on the screen, just like they're all their plaque or <laughs> rewards uh, and achievements okay. that they've kind of achieved just so it's it's top of mind that yes we're, we're looking forward and how we're going to get there is by doing a lot of stuff that we did to achieve this stuff in the past that sounds really cool i'd like to see that i don't know i can't even kind of visualize that something that you had mentioned to me is that many of your new clients especially some of those in the tech uh, industry are integrating their finances for the first time tell me a little bit more about that what is what does that look like it's not always clean <laughs> because sometimes this is the first time that they're talking about money together. No one knows what the other one spends. They, they haven't looked at those things. I'm not one to say, and I don't have a preference on how they have to go about it other than the goals, <laughs> the, what, what they want to achieve. Even if they have their own like little side missions, their own goals that are important to them, those things need to be known in advance so that they know how they're respective resources, if they're keeping things separate or if they're going to start pulling them together, how they're going to actually be able to achieve those things. Because otherwise, it, it's just too messy. And uh, you probably see this a lot of times when people do come in and they're not totally connected, that they have no clue what's going on. And there's a lot of stress or lack of confidence that, oh, are we doing the right stuff? Because there's just not that communication. And sometimes it's because uh, one side of the equation just really wants to take that back seat and they don't know how to kind of jump in once it is of interest to them uh, and they feel they're left behind. So it's just given that even playing field that, hey, we're not going to go any faster than what you need and we're going to make sure all questions are addressed. But ultimately, the only thing that's going to matter is where you guys want to go. And that's, that's always where I had to focus and start before we even dive into numbers and before we even say you should do this or that because I don't know if they should do any of those things until we know where, where they want to go and give them uh, a little bit more concrete information instead of saying, oh, you could do this or you could do that and you might be okay. I think that's the biggest thing is just they don't have to do the same thing. They don't have to understand or know every single expense. Uh, that's how me and my wife have it. And I really enjoy it. It allows us to uh, not 
be fearful or anything as far as spending, but we really don't waste money on frivolous or miscellaneous things because it's always a conversation like, Oh, like I'm, I saw this, I thought it was cool. Then we have a conversation and those conversations are really good. And uh, we feel really excited about anything we agree to and stuff we don't agree to. We typically realize that, yeah, it was just going to be wasted uh, stuff. So I feel like it is more efficient when we're on the same page and we're not too loosey goosey um, with, with how we approach our finances, but my clients can do it both ways. And I've seen people be very successful uh, both ways. It's just all about that clear understanding of where they want to go. Right. With uh, tech-related uh, people in that industry, um, aside from ageism, are there other kind of specific things that come up kind of on a frequent basis that are either gotchas or, you know, something to be aware of, watch out for? Definitely the layoffs, the mass layoffs can be pretty surprising. Sometimes it can be from a well-established company that you think like, oh, they've, they've been around for 40 years, 50 years, but they, they grow faster and they, they, they're part of those mergers and acquisitions too. So I think that's, that's a big thing that people tend to be pretty top of mind for them as far as one of their fears is, yes, I know things are good right now, but I don't know what it would look like if, if something happened. And so um, that's, that's a top concern then that the income increasing faster than they were expecting. And so if, if you go from making 50,000 and then the next year you get ridiculous raises, you're making 70,000. And this is just at the individual level, not, not even when you're integrating the finances and maybe that income's double. Uh, one of my couples that are getting married this summer are both engineers. And so like their income is both increasing 20, 30% a year, which is kind of overwhelming sometimes. And like I said, if they weren't having these conversations with me, it'd be really easy to just spend it on things and get used to spending on things that are not adding the value. And then all of a sudden they, they get to their wedding and they have to throw stuff on credit cards because they didn't plan for it. They didn't save ahead of time. So there's, it's really easy with that rising income to lose focus or to think that maybe you never have to, to think about money because it's just going to keep flowing in. So those, those are very interesting things that somewhat unique to uh, tech industry mm -hmm. people that are performing well are going to be well incentivized um and sometimes that can back them into a wall too because then once once you're getting paid 150 200,000 if you get laid off or if you decide to look for a different opportunity well there there's not that many people looking for mid uh, or senior level type people and then you always have to be worried about the culture fit too mm -hmm. and so unfortunately that when i look at some of these lists um because I always like to stay on top of what new companies are coming out. There's a list. Uh, they have it for a couple of different states, but there's like built in Chicago, uh, built in Colorado, and it's kind of tech related companies. And if you look at some of these younger companies, it's people that maybe started it out of college. So it's all the people that are their kind of age. And so when they're hiring, they're hiring from people within that same kind of range and maybe they slowly expand. But it, it's I very rarely see a wide spectrum of ages and, and maybe they're more established employees at this point maybe they're in their 30s or 40s and they start a company well they're going to hire people that look like them and it's just kind of what happens especially when it's a smaller company and obviously as companies start to expand different people are in uh, points of positions uh, new unique roles need to be filled and things like that so that's when you start to see a little bit more diversity but uh, i think with smaller tech companies there's not nearly the same type of diversity or, or they have very set goals on what they 
want diversity to look like. Maybe they want it to be 100% women, or maybe they want it to be 50 uh, 50, or how they want to approach it. So um, it still leaves out some part of the population. So it, it's really interesting when you kind of look at those smaller group photos of these newer companies that are maybe less than 20, 20 employees. They all more or less look the same one way or another, uh, whether it's age or like they're all wearing glasses, like maybe they all like to read in or whatever and have horrible vision. I don't know. Like, I just feel like sometimes you see those things uh, with those smaller companies. Okay, cool. As we kind of wrap up our conversation, I like to ask if you had a piece of advice to, I would say in this case, to younger, younger uh, listeners, people who are starting out in their careers, whether it's in tech or not in tech, doesn't really matter as they are starting to move into their careers and start to pay attention to their financial life, what would be perhaps your key piece of advice to them? If they are interested in kind of understanding what's going on in their financial situation, they really just need to make the time to sit down and look at it and, and they can take the DIY approach. They can look stuff up online. Obviously they're, they're going to be very limited. They're not going to know exactly where to look sometimes, but that's the best way is just to make time, make it a priority because if, if it is top of mind, you're going to make better financial decisions just by thinking about it. And it's not to the point where they have to be obsessed about it, but um, just my, my clients, I don't meet with my clients every single month, but just, I check in with them every couple months, every quarter or so. And they're really appreciative. Like, Hey, thanks for keeping this top of mind so that I'm kind of refocused again. So taking the time to plan because it allows you to get that focus, I think is really the main thing. And it's not that it's all you think about, but then it is top of mind. So you make a little bit better decisions, I think. Excellent. Okay. I agree with that. Well, Lucas, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today and trying out this new format <laughs> with the yep, Zoom. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> recording. Hopefully it all, you know, looks right and works <laughs> out right. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us a little bit about the work you do with your younger clients and a lot of the things that younger folks are thinking about when it comes to the financial side of their life. So thank you very much. Yep. I appreciate it, Angie. Thanks for having me. I want to thank my guest again for stopping by the podcast booth and sharing their unique story with us. And thank you for listening to today's program. Be sure to go to aveafp.com to check over the show notes for details and links from our conversation. Don't forget to send in your questions and I'll answer them in a special listener mailbag episode. I invite you to come back and listen again, subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app or at aveafp.com. That's A-V-E-A-F like financial, P like planning.com. Thank you for tuning in.